Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. And with me today in the studio, Obadiah Smith Jr. I am here, Jim. Hey, February, I know you've been married for 32 years. Don't forget what's up in February. It's St. Valentine's Day. Yes, it is, Jim. Now tell me, you've already bought the candy. No. <laughs> <laughs> you've already planned that fabulous I, dinner I'm out. I'm planning it. You're planning It's in your head. Yes. You haven't just run past it on the calendar. No, not this day. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, that's coming up fast right now as we're talking today. And it's a wonderful thing, really. St. Yes, Valentine's Day gives us an excuse and a reason to just stop and think about the one we love. Yes, Jim. Now, St. Valentine was a real guy back in the third century after Christ. And he was a Christian man, a pastor and shepherd, who apparently, as best we can tell, lost his life to stand up for Christian marriage. Because the emperor at the time, Claudius II, didn't want people to get married, and he certainly didn't want Christians to get married because he was trying to fight some wars, and he needed those guys out on the front lines, and he didn't want them mixed up with the women at home, and certainly not in the kind of relationships that Christians got involved with, which were total sellouts, each to the other, for the good in establishing a Christian home. So Valentine said, I'm going to marry people in Christ anyway. Secretly. Secretly. I don't care what the emperor says. We are not going to interrupt God's plan for these people as he leads them one to another to be married in Jesus' name and create families and homes. And for that, Valentine was martyred. He lost his life. All the evidence suggests that he actually was murdered by the emperor on what is today February 14. And that's why it's called his feast day. And many branches of the Christian family have the concept of honoring great martyrs with feast days, days where we celebrate their faith. And February 14 is St. Valentine's Day because that's the day he was murdered. And for all these centuries, people have stopped to honor him. But because of his signature, he was an advocate for Christian marriage. He seemed to encourage Christian romance. And for a lot of other reasons that are related to him and some in his culture of his time and so on, St. Valentine's Day has become this big festival of romance. And we're here on Viewpoint today to say, you know what, that's a good thing. No shame in that. But as we say that, Obadiah, come on, you and I have both seen enough water go under the bridge. Yes, I have, To know that romance isn't always just that clean and simple, is it? No, sometimes there's some difficult transitions or roads to walk down of while you're in romance, Jim. (laughs) That's right. It's not always easy and it's not always pretty. You take a big chance when you get involved romantically. We all dream of that moment that's unforgettable. Yes. Oh, unforgettable. (laughs) This Valentine's Day, I'm playing this at my house. Do you know this song? I know it, Jim, and I love it. The fire is going right now. (laughs) Nat King Cole was the originator, the first guy who put this out and made it famous, and now his daughter, Natalie Cole, has, through the miracle of technology, been able to create it as a duet with him. And, man, it is such a beautiful rendition. And that's what we dream of when we think about romance. Though near or far Like a song of love That clings to me How the thought of you Does things to me Never before Has someone been born Unforgettable in every way, and forevermore, and forevermore, 
That's how you'll stay That's how you'll stay That's why, darling It's incredible That someone so unforgettable Thinks that I am Unforgettable too And that, Obadiah, is what we dream about, isn't it? Yes, it is, Joe. <laughs> and in real life, sometimes we get there. Yes. And sometimes it's a train wreck. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to be up front. <laughs> You're up front. You I really may, are. I, I've been married for 36 years. I'm so glad I'm married for 36 years, and I love my wife. But in my lifetime, and I'm an old guy, I've had some romantic train wrecks, things that cost me a lot of pain and grief. I mean, that's just the risk assumed. Yes, it is. Sometimes it's because I was a deadbeat. Yes. And sometimes it's because I had a demon from hell I was dating. No, that's not fair. But I mean, in romance, you've got two different partners, you have two different people, and, and the potential for having a mess up is real. Yes, it is. Romance is no stranger to the scripture, and the scripture is no stranger to romance. And in the Bible, we have all kinds of illustrations of romances that work well and those that don't. And today, yes, let's talk today. about one of those that is a sobering reminder that has positive lessons for us to learn from others' mistakes, who could forget Samson and Deliah. The story of Samson and Delilah has been the stuff of Hollywood film and storytelling for more years than you and I have been alive for more years than people have been speaking English, for more years than anybody can remember, for millennia, people have been talking about this ancient love tryst, and it was a train wreck. This is the original story. I believe these are real people in real time a long time ago, 
And while it may seem like it's far removed from today, the truth is this story is as fresh as today's news. Let's read it. Oh, but I walked through it. This is Judges chapter 16 in the Old Testament, beginning with verse 1, the New Living Translation, the story of Samson and Delilah. Here's how it goes. One day Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with a prostitute. Let's just stop there. Gaza. Gaza's in the news today, isn't it? Yes, it is, Jim. Gaza is everywhere in the news today. That same ancient place is the original venue of this story. And Samson goes to Gaza, and why is he visiting there? To see a prostitute. There's an important lesson here for us we'll come back to, but not forget this. Samson is a man who's deeply flawed, and he goes to Gaza to spend the night with a prostitute. And the word soon spread that Samson was there because he was kind of a famous guy. He was the guy that other men looked up to. We want to be like Samson. So the men of Gaza gathered together and waited all night at the town gates. They kept quiet during the night, saying to themselves, when the light of morning comes, we will kill him because those guys were Philistines and Samson was their enemy. But Samson stayed in bed only until midnight. Then he got up took hold of the doors of the town gate, including the two posts, and lifted them up, bar and all. He put them on his shoulders and carried them all the way to the top of the hill across from Hebron. What we have here is an illustration of Samson's superhuman physical strength. This is why he was famous. And he was feared and also why he was respected, because he had this capacity to be strong physically. And so here the guys are waiting all night because they're thinking, at the break of day, we're taking him down. We might think, well, why didn't they just go get him in the night? Wouldn't he be more vulnerable then with the prostitute, paying attention to other stuff? But of course, we've got to remember, they don't have flashlights. There's no like uh, headgear to walk in in a SEAL Team 6 expedition. (laughs) This is night. It's dark. Their chances of apprehending him are better at the first light of day. So they're waiting But in the meantime, Samson gets up the middle of the night and he says, I'll show him who's boss. And he takes the whole gate of the town away and (laughs) carries it away. And they're left holding the bag. Sometime later, verse 4, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah, who lived in the valley of Sarek. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. They all knew that Samson was in some way invincible, but they also intuitively understood there has to be a weakness. He has to have a weakness. Okay, Delilah, we know he's fallen in love with you, and you probably love him, because at the beginning of the relationship, it seems like they both are engaged because of their attraction to each other. But Delilah, we're telling you, whatever he is, he can't be all that. You help us know where his weak points are, we'll make you so rich, you'll never look back. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me what makes you so strong and what it would take to tie you up securely. I don't know. If I was Samson, I'd be thinking, what are you asking me about? But he doesn't care. Samson replies, if I were tied up with seven new bowstrings that have not yet been dried, I would become as weak as anyone else. Samson knows what his weak point is, but he's not willing to disclose it to her. And so he makes up something. So the Philistine rulers brought Delilah seven new bowstrings because she believed what he said, and she tied Samson up with them. She had hidden some men in one of the inner rooms of her house, and she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson snapped the bowstrings as a piece of string snaps when it's burned by a fire. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Now, I don't know. If I was Delilah, I'd think, okay, this guy is fooling with me, but she apparently is willing to go again. 
Afterward, Delilah said to him, You've been making fun of me and telling me lies. Now, please tell me how you can be tied up securely. And Samson replies, If I were tied up with brand new ropes that had never been used, I would become so weak I'd be like anyone else. So Delilah took new ropes and tied him up with them. The men were hiding in the inner room as before, and again Delilah cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But again Samson snapped the ropes from his arms as if they were thread. Then Delilah said, You've been making fun of me and telling me lies again. Now tell me, how can you be tied up securely? Samson replied, If you were to weave the seven braids of my hair into the fabric on your loom and tighten it with the loom shuttle, I would become as weak as anyone else. So while he slept, Delilah wove the seven braids of hair into the fabric. Then she tightened it with the loom shuttle, and again she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson woke up, pulled back the loom shuttle, and yanked his hair away from the loom and the fabric. Wow. I'm telling you, this story is wearing me out. What happens next? (laughs) Yes, Jim, after three tries, finally Delilah pouted. Whoa. Oh, she pouted. Come on. Have you ever seen that? <laughs> Many times. Yeah. All right. I mean, we, we're past conversation yes. now. She's pouting. She's okay. pouting. How can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? You've made fun of me three times now, and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. She tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. And then finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair is never to be cut, he confessed, for I have dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I will become as weak as anyone else. Okay, let's just stop there, because what Samson's now telling her is the truth. Yes. The truth is, he had made a vow and had been dedicated by his parents to this particular regime of what was called the Nazarite vow, and your hair could never be cut. And he knows, if I betray that vow, I will lose my strength. Delilah realized he had finally told her the truth, so she sent for the Philistines' rulers. Come back one more time, she said, for he has finally told me his secret. So the Philistines' ruler returned with the money in their hand. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap, and then she called in a man to shave off his seven locks of his hair, and in this way she began to bring him down, and his strength left him. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. He woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza, where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in a prison. He was enslaved. Yes, he was, Jim. Man. Told his secret. I'm talking about romance with consequences and negative ones right here. When we come back, we're going to draw some lessons that are as fresh as today's news about how all of us need to be sobered by the risk of romance. Samson and Delilah is one of the most famous stories of romance in all of the world's history. And it's a sobering tale that reminds us that not all romance leads to good outcomes. And if the relationship is fundamentally flawed, we will find ourselves 
in unspeakable grief, and that was true for them. Here are some things, Obadiah, that I noticed in the story, and I'm sure you have some ideas too. First up, at the very beginning of this narrative, we find Samson going to Gaza to be with a prostitute. He does not have healthy relational boundaries. This is a guy who thinks he can do whatever he wants and allow his testosterone to drive his every day. And truth be told, you will never have a healthy romance if you do not get that in check. If you are not in self-control, if you don't have a healthy value system, if you don't understand that you need to be in a relationship where you're not using your partner, you can't have a healthy relationship in romance. And if you're with a prostitute, it is fundamentally by definition using someone else. And it's just an emblem, I think, of how unhealthy Samson was, which sets him up for this awful intersection with Delilah. And my word here is to anyone listening, if you want to have a healthy romance, if you want to be the stuff of a Natalie Cole, Nat King Cole standard like unforgettable, you have to today make a decision. I will be chaste. I will be righteous. I will be selfless, and I will be in self-control. I will surrender my life, my romance, my sexuality into God's hand. And that then can set the stage for a healthy romance. Samson isn't there, and now he's going to walk through the doorway into another nightmare. You're absolutely correct, Jim, that when we don't establish healthy boundaries, it can lead us to the way that we can be blinded what true love really is. And I believe that led him into his next thing. He was blinded by love. He couldn't see the forest for the trees in part because he'd lived already blind. And so he falls in love with Delilah, and his past is going to deform his present relationship. And that's the thing that we so often just don't remember, that, well, our past doesn't matter. No, our past does matter. Now, I'm one who believes that God can restore the past. He can redeem the past. He can take anything you give him, no matter how deeply you've messed up. If you put it in his hands, he will sort it out for the good. But if you don't do that, you're just set up to fail in the next one. And that's what happens. He was blinded by love. You just said it. He gets with Delilah, and he's blind. I mean, as we already noticed, she keeps asking him questions. What's your weak point? And then whenever he discloses an answer, he wakes up with her screaming, and the bad guys are in the house. I mean, doesn't he connect the dots? She's the mole. She's the one who's passing off the information of his weakness. But he's blind to it because he's infatuated with her. And that blindness comes all too often in human romance. Why? I think he probably looked at her and thought she was hot, and he wanted her. His eyes got him in trouble. And so he, he just couldn't see constructively, intellectually, logically, or reasonably how dangerous this relationship was. I mean, all of us understand that romance can be triggered by what we see. We're drawn, we're attracted to someone because of how they appear. And I'm guessing that Delilah attracted Samson by how she appeared, and vice versa. This was a muscle man, and she was drawn to him too. But that is not a healthy platform for a long-term relationship. It might open a door for you, but it cannot be a lifetime for you. And so he's blinded by that. I think also Samson is blind because he's so self-confident. He is so full of himself. He doesn't think he's vulnerable. I mean, he's the guy about town. He can do whatever he wants. He is stronger than everybody else. He is feared by everybody else. He is not vulnerable. He doesn't see how weak he really is. And the weakness isn't about his hair length. 
It's about the character of his soul and his willingness to sell that soul for the moment's pleasure. And in that, he's blinded by his love. Be careful, folks, as you're in romance, that you're not so amazingly self-confident and self-assured that you're blinded to your own weakness. Or have an ego. (laughs) Ego with a capital (laughs) Capital E. E, Yes. I also can see that uh, this is a relationship that is about using other people. Samson is using Delilah. He's in love with her at a level, but he's using her. It's a companion, but he's not honest with her. She asks direct questions. He does not give her the truth. He has not surrendered completely into her life. These two have not become one. They're two people who are using each other. He's using her, and she's using him. He is her ticket to wealth. He doesn't know that. She's not honest in the way she asks her questions. She doesn't explain why she wants to know what his weak points are. And so both of them are using each other. This is a prescription for disaster. We all are needy. We all have needs. But if you think that your romance is all about meeting your needs and you're just going to use that person to meet your needs, it's a dead end. It became a game, Jim, back and forth. And, And again, this is an ancient story, but man, it's today. It's the way all of us have been tempted to live at some point or another. And it's also not honest and it's not authentic because they're using each other. They're simply not honest. You can't have a romance that is predicated on dishonesty. It just won't last. And not only will it not last, it's going to leave you wounded. And we just have to understand that. If you really want romance, you have to make a commitment to fully disclose, to be completely naked in the truth I'm not talking about physically naked. I'm talking about you have to be naked about who you are. That's a process of disclosure, but no relationship can be maintained over time if it's not honest and authentic. And so that's always going to lead to a betrayal, and that's what happens here because because the foundations weren't solid, because the platform wasn't steady, it can only and inevitably lead to a moment of breakdown where somebody's going to be betrayed. Somebody's going to be left by the curb. Somebody is going to be abandoned. And that's what happens to Samson, of all people. Which then brings us to this story is a sobering reminder that romance is dangerous. And if you don't play by heaven's rules, if you are not careful, and if you're not framed in your heart and your mind for the highest of motive and the purest of being, Romance is the most dangerous road you can travel because it's going to make you vulnerable and it's going to lead you to a point of hurt and woundedness. Now, I know you have to take risks to have anything worth having and you have to take risks in every romance. And even if you play by heaven's rules, it doesn't mean you won't get wounded. That happens because the other partner may not play by those rules. You have to take the chance. But if you are not committed to heaven's way, I promise you it's a disaster. It's inevitably a disaster. Samson had great gifts, Obadiah, don't you think? Yes, he did. Come on. And it was a God-given gift, like his strength. His strength. I mean, when you think of Samson, the first thing that comes to mind is not necessarily Delilah, but you see this guy who has this unusual capacity to be strong. In the ancient world, especially without mechanized ways of doing things, without the machinery we take for granted, physical strength was even more important than all the good he could do with it. He had great gifts. But they were all squandered because he could not create a values frame in his romantic life that would honor God. And the outcome, he is ruined. Yes, he and is. he's going to spend the rest of his life as a slave until the last chapter of his story where finally he gets it. 
and he surrenders himself, not just partially, but completely to the will of God. Folks, today, as you're thinking about St. Valentine's Day, as you're thinking about romance, it's all good, it's all healthy, and it can all be heaven sent, but take it very carefully and make sure that your heart is in the right place. You are never prepared to love someone else wholly and completely until you love God wholly and completely. And when you do that, ah, then romance, in the way God designed, can be your outcome. Wherever you are in the journey, we want to invite you to pray with us now that the Lord will honor you and you Him as you go forward. Father, we're so thankful. We're so thankful for your care for us and for the great gift of relationship and, yes, for romance, which we believe you've inspired. We thank you for the testimony of Valentine. So many centuries ago, a man of principle who was willing to stand tall for Jesus' sake and to protect the idea that it is right for men and women to come side by side in partnership, in marriage. We're thankful, Lord, that all of us today can learn from the Scripture. And today, Lord, we surrender our lives once more into your care, not just our finances and not just our health and not just our grudges and the way we've been wounded and we hope to forgive, not just all those other areas of life so important, but today especially, we surrender our romantic side our romantic relationships, our hopes for, our fears of, and the ones that we hold close. We ask, Lord, that you will take our romance and make it righteous. For Jesus' sake, we pray. Amen. Amen. That's why, darling, it's incredible that someone so unforgettable thinks that I am Unforgettable Now, if you'd like to know more about this God who stands by and wants the best for you, this God who has wired you, to be in relationship with himself first and then with others. If you'd like to know more about how that can affect your romantic experience, well then, give us a call. Just dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439, 24 hours a day and seven days a week. We're by the phone, and we are glad to hear from you. And Obadiah, if someone didn't want to dial up on the phone, but they wanted to go online, where would they find us? www.cbhviewpoint.org. You can check out our website there. You can read about the ministry, find out ways you could even travel with us, because we've got some great experiences abroad. We'd love you to join us, and you can also send us an email. We will reply. Or just send me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018. USA. But whether you call us up, go online, or send us a note by surface mail, let us hear from you. Obadiah, remember the road to hell is paved with good intentions. At the front of the program, you told me you had imagined, you had dreamed of the candy you're going to buy for your wife. Yes, I did, How you're going to celebrate. Now, time to follow through. I am. I'm with you. You are a witness. I make the same promise for my (laughs) wife. Okay. And we're so glad that you tuned in today. We hope that you're blessed this Valentine's Day as it comes around. But more than that, we hope that you understand how much God loves you and wants the best for you. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, 
This is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.